The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Rogers News. I'm Jennifer Sabu with Breaking Views, and you're listening to The Exchange. Women make up about one-third of the workforce at Apple, Google, and Facebook. That's not an anomaly in the tech industry. Female representation is really low. Getting to parity will likely take decades, but there are efforts being made to address this issue. Gina Wilborn is one executive trying to hasten the change. Gina is Senior Vice President, Global Network Operation and Assurance at Verizon Communications. And she stopped by Reuters in Times Square to explain how she is tackling what seems to be such an intractable problem. So Gina, you've been with Verizon for 20 years or so. You have a huge purview. You oversee 5,000 employees. You're an engineer. Um, you are in a great perch to get more women in technology. So what, in your opinion, is the biggest obstacle women face right now? So I, th- I think there are a couple of things, right? Um, there clearly is an unconscious bias that's out there that we, all companies, have to face. Yeah. So one of the ways we do face that and we address it at Verizon is we have unconscious bias training. So like, what do you mean by that? Meaning, Meaning that... So women just aren't considered for these positions or I, I think it's and it's not intentional. Right. I think yeah. there is we all suffer from unconscious bias. You have them. I have them. And so I think we recognize that as a problem. And so what we're doing in Verizon is bringing the conversation to the table and let's talk about it openly and not only did we have one training, right? We had an advanced training for executives because mm. we really are the decision makers, yeah. right? And so that training in class in the class with other people, right, that don't look like me, really was a very healthy conversation and people really had to pause and take a step back, turn the mirror around and reflect on like do I have a bias and do I need to reset the tone of my organization to make sure it's not happening at the top or at the bottom. So I think the first step is acknowledging <laughs> that there yeah. is a problem, and I think you have to address that up front. Um, I think my role as a leader in this business is to set the example. So I'll just share with you currently, like I just recently got promoted. And I, I had an opportunity. Thank you. And I had an opportunity to rebuild my team, right? So I have three vice presidents that run the global network for me. Okay. So why, why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Like wh- when you run the global, what is the global network? That so massive. To, 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 I'm going to simply put it this way, right? My team is responsible for building networks that allows customers to order data, voice, video services across the globe. Okay. My team is responsible for engineering and building that network. Okay. Right. So those 5,000 people that I have on my team, that's what they do. But I have VPs that really work for me that run the network, and all three of them are women. Oh, that's that's excellent. My my point of bringing that up is I think that Verizon has allowed me to have a platform to do that, right? I did not feel uncomfortable doing it. I made my selections. No one pushed back on it. And so when you think about that, that is huge. We're running Verizon's global network and we're all women. Yeah, that is huge. And I want to ask you um, something about this. Did you set out and say, I wanted three women vice presidents? Or were you like, oh, we're just going to see what happens? Yeah, I I never built my team based on 
gender. I build my team based on who is best, yeah. right, to fill right. those shoes. Right. And so I looked across. I had many great candidates. They just happened to be all women. Yeah. And I felt very comfortable saying to my boss and my peers, here are the best three and here is why. Mm -hmm. And it was an easy conversation. That's progress to me. Right? Yeah. Well, that is progress. Yes. I, I think but so. But more examples of, I think when you show more examples like that, that will, I think, attract more women. Right. Yeah. When you're when you're trying to look for more women to come into Verizon and you show more examples where we have very diverse leadership, very diverse board members. I think that does make a difference to women when they're looking for where they want to work. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like um, I've been covering this issue for a while now. And one of um, the things that I was looking at carefully was the California law. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but basically, I don't know, a couple of months ago, they said uh, the state of California was like mandating um, companies to have a certain amount of women. They were basically putting quotas for women on the mm -hmm. boards, right? And now people go crazy when they hear this right. because they're like, <laughs> A, they don't want anybody legislating their boards. Yep. Okay, I guess mm -hmm. that makes sense. Um, and B, the, the other argument I always hear against this is, well, that's going to hamstring a board from finding the best person for the job. And then my automatic response to this is, when you look across the board, women on boards are, they're so, they're, they're not representative on boards. Maybe, what is it, 28% of something right. pathetic. It's mm -hmm. like paltry number. And if it takes a law to force companies to think about it in a different way, I think it's actually a good thing because it's going to push the issue. The it, it forces yes. a conversation. Yeah. And it also, the thing that drives me bananas is that it assumes that women and men are starting at the same place in the race. And that is just not true. There, you know, I think women are 10 paces back. And if guys are given or men are given like a, a head start, of course you can say, oh yeah, they're usually the best person for the job. Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, so I feel like some of these issues need to be forced. Yes. You know, to, that's why I asked the question, do you make a conscious decision to hire three women? You know yeah. what I'm saying? I, I think it's about, do you, are you working in an environment that allows you mm -hmm. to do that? And I, that's important. And I think it starts at the top. And if your CEO of your company sets the tone that diversity and inclusion is important, and we will watch it and we will measure it and we will ensure that we are treating everyone equally, it's going to roll all the way down. And I see that happening at Verizon now. And I'm telling you, it wasn't always that way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What's your but experience it's, been like? I think it's, I think that we've always had the platform that we all should be treated equally, right? Verizon is very, very firm about that. Yeah. But this comes down to individuals, mm -hmm. right, making those decisions. And I believe there's something in the universe that's happening with women right now. And we have the momentum and I'm seeing that momentum catch at Verizon. And I think it should spread across. I mean, yeah. it's, this is not just a Verizon thing. I think it's I think other companies are doing it as well because yeah. we partner with them. So even, for example, supplier diversity. Right. We have a program where we matched our executives with small companies such as, you know, s small companies that we do business with, mm -hmm. a lot of them owned by women. And we mentor them. 
And so we took them through this program and it was so powerful to watch how that interaction and that engagement between that small business owner and we big Verizon. And not only that, we found ways that we could do more business with them, yeah. right? But that supplier diversity being on our radar was important to Verizon and we, we saw the outcome of that and we're doing more. Like there's more that we wanna do with smaller companies, specifically women, women-owned companies. So that's interesting. So it's not just internal that Verizon is trying mm-hmm. to, you know, Absolutely, more women in power or in more diversity, but you're looking beyond you, every place that we have theory, programs yeah, that, that it, and it's not like a one and done, right? I was paired up with several um, smaller companies that Verizon actually do business with, right? I was paired up with them and it was a year journey. Yeah. And I learned from her because she's the CEO of her company. So there are things that I learned from her that I was like, wow, I can take this back to my corporate America world and use some of the things that I learned from her and vice versa. And it was, and guess what? I'm still connected with this woman. Why? Because we took a journey together for a year. Yeah. It's not over. And now I have a, a relationship. There's a network and it just spreads and it keeps going. But I was, I'm just one example, but there are many more examples. But to me, when you see Verizon really like doing things like that, they're putting their money where their mouth is. They're not just saying diversity and inclusion is important. We actually have statistics and things that we're doing to really uplift yeah. more women in technology. So mentoring um, women-owned businesses, mm-hmm. this also brings up an interesting topic that I hear when I talk to other women executives mm-hmm. often is that one of the things that I keep hearing on repeat is that it can be very lonely at the top or near the top, if you will. And women are looking for like-minded people to bat ideas around with or just to say, look, I I feel this way about a certain situation that they may not feel comfortable like just broadly with an executive board. I mean, how how do you feel about that? Yeah, I I don't necessarily suffer from that. Mm -hmm. And so it's probably hard for me to speak on that from that perspective. Yeah. I can understand it, right? But I don't really suffer from it because I do think I have enough peers at my level that I can actually say, hey, look, I'm having a rough day or I'm struggling with this. And it's a safe environment. That yeah, I, can I guess go that's to. what I'm it's getting that at, safe, safe environment. environment. Yes, yeah. I, I have created that. You know, yeah. it didn't always exist, but I created Um, a safe environment with, I'll call it a handful of women Mm -hmm. that I trust Mm -hmm. in and outside of Verizon um, that I I use. And that's that's why I don't have that it's lonely at the top because I know I have a network that understand kind of what I'm dealing with because they're dealing with similar things and it's safe, right? So I think women who are feeling that way, like if you don't already have a seat at the table, you have to create a new one and put people in those seats that you really trust. And it's it's not it's not difficult to do, but you just have to take the time to build those relationships. Because I'm telling you, the, these are friends that actually, some of them I grew up with in the company, mm-hmm. and we just happen to be on the same trajectory, yeah. right? And then there are others outside of the company that is also beneficial to me because it's not always Verizon talk, but it's externally right. what's going on. And we share the same issues. Yeah, right. It is right. really not that different. 
but it is so helpful for me. It helps me a, a lot to have that network and really bounce things off of them where I'm not sure. Like, I mean, sometimes it's like, uh, you know, a situation comes up and you're like, am I overreacting mm-hmm. or do I need to mm-hmm. bring out the velvet hammer and do something yeah, about it, right? right? You know what I mean? Right, right. You know, and so it's good to have that with without flying off on the handle, you yeah. know what I mean? So um, this would be a good point to tell me about your experience. I mean, 20 years at Verizon, yes. you're an engineer. That Not a lot of women are engineers. Um, yeah. So what, what has your experience been like? You know, I had no idea that I would eventually one day be a senior vice president because I didn't start out. Like, I started out at Verizon as a supervisor, as a team leader. Um, And my journey has really been, I've always, I like, I'm a a problem solver, Mm -hmm. right? So I always tend to land, go to the problem, put her on the problem. I fix the problem and then I move on to the next problem Mm -hmm. and I fix that problem. Like an engineer. Like an engineer. (laughs) And that has helped my career, quite frankly, because I had the ability to move around Mm -hmm. because Verizon is big, right? So you can move around, right? Quite, quite, quite a bit and build your portfolio, right? And get all this experience. Um, It was when I kind of made director that I realized how much influence I had, Hmm. right? So once I got into like the, the director level, I had influence on decisions that are important, not just to the business, but for employees and for stakeholders. And once I started to understand that, I was like, hmm, I would like another seat at the table that even has more influence. And that's when I made vice president, I realized, wait, I have a lot of influence specifically when it comes to bringing more women into technology, bringing more women into Verizon. I am an example. So I feel like I have an obligation. We all have an obligation as women, I think, to especially leaders, executive women. We have an obligation to figure out how do we get more women in technology? Because quite frankly, I think there is a bias that says, and it starts at middle school, um, technology or math and science is too difficult or you know mm-hmm. I don't I don't really I don't really fit the description I mean I, I try to really focus the energy on what's your passion so when little girls say you know I like video games I like music I like fashion I, I, I start them there but I meet them where their passion is and I explain to them how you wrap technology around that Mm -hmm. to get them comfortable right because to me it is about confidence and when you don't have confidence as a young girl you really struggle all the way until you're an adult or you struggle when in the workplace right because i think that confidence is today yeah confidence is i think one of the key um one of the key things you need to advance in your career right one thousand percent agree and i think um, what's interesting is, did you feel like at any point, um, well, you, earlier on in the conversation, you mentioned that, you know, that it's now a, this kind of sea change for women. And I kind of, I feel it, yeah. I see it. Yep. Obviously for the past year and a half, this has been happening and it's, I think it's way broader than the Me Too movement. Way I think broader. it's part it of that. But, it is. Yeah. um, did you notice that there was that? Tick. I mean, it sounds like Verizon's been great all along, but maybe they upped it a notch over a year yes. and a half. Um, I th- yes, I think so. I think, um, I think when you start to see, because women were leaving 
um, the company, you know, and I don't know what the stat is, but we we know that they were leaving at a rate that we weren't comfortable with. Yeah, that's the wake up call, right? Yeah. So how do not only how do you get them, how do you retain them, yeah. right? And so we have to go deeper and roll the sleeves back and figure out what is happening, right? And so for me. I looked into my organization. So what do I control? Right. Let me let me do my own analysis. And I I found something very simple. The way that we were writing our job descriptions. Hmm. To, we tore them up and had to start over. Oh, that's interesting. Like, what do you mean? Was it too? It was way we were over rotating on technical. It's like, like yeah. yes, technical is important. But guess what is even more important is your ability to lead people, mm -hmm. your leadership style, right? So none of that was in the job description, yeah. right? So we, that's so funny to even like think to start. That seems like a very simple thing to start that. with. It's really simple. Yeah. Like if a female looked at that job description, they are going to immediately say that's jobs not for me, yeah. right? Even if she's technical, right? Because she has other things that she brings to the table. But a male, <laughs> this yeah. is what I found. Yep, I can do all those things, yeah. even if they can't. Right? It goes back to confidence. It goes yeah, back to confidence. Yes, yeah. Bring I'll it, bring it full circle. It I'll figure yeah. it out, right? Yeah. But I do think in order to attract, you have to to talk about not just what you need from them technically, but but the leadership. I will pick every single time, every time, and everyone has heard me say this on my team, if there are three people interviewing for a job, Two very technical, yep, they got the technical, but they didn't have the leadership. But the other one, like, was through the roof on leadership. I'm picking that one. And that is because how you connect with people, how you collaborate, how you lead, to me, is just as important as the technical. So when we rewrote the job descriptions, and I kind of reviewed them, and I, I liked them, right? And I will tell you, I can give you my stat for my organization. I have increased how many women are in technology mm -hmm. in my team mm -hmm. over the years. And I'm not just saying it's, it's just the job description, but it's also me putting a thumbprint on my organization and saying, here's the tone that I'm setting, right? Diversity and inclusion is important. And we cannot continue to hire the way that we've been hiring. So anyone that gets hired in my organization, I know about it. Yeah. I'm very involved in every single person that gets hired. That's great. And and what about retention? Because I think this is also a, a really um, important aspect it is. of it. And while, you mentioned you, that there was alarm bells going off because there were a lot of women walking out the door. Right. And I'm sure there are, all ver there are various reasons for that. Correct. But, but I also feel like there's got to be a way to kind of boil that down. Because this is a problem, it seems like, across a lot I of I think industries. it's the inclusion part of diversity, right? I think... When you're in jobs or teams and, okay, you're there, that's great. But if you continue to feel isolated, then you're not going to have a sense of confidence. And if you don't have a sense of confidence, you're not going to show up. And if you don't show up, yeah. you're not innovating, yeah. right? So that inclusion and making sure that inclusion is happening at every level, mm -hmm. of, you as the leader have to go deep down in your organization and check and make sure that there's a sense of inclusion, inclusion everywhere because mm. I think that is very important. I mentor a lot of women that come to me one-on-one, -on -one, privately, confidentially, and that seems to me to be the common thing, mm -hmm. right? They're on meetings, they're in meetings, they're on calls, and they have an opinion, 
and people are not, ignoring they're not, they're it. They're ignoring not being heard. it or they're, she's not they're empowered. Not, yes. Yeah. So if you have a sense of inclusion, I think you then have a sense of empowerment. And when you have a sense of empowerment, you show up the way you need to show up. When you don't have those two, you go dark, you go silent, and you may put your head down in the sand, right? And that's what we have to stop, right? And I think it starts with setting the tone. I say this all the time. It is up to the leader to set the tone of the organization, and then they have to check and verify that that is happening at every level. Yeah, because there, a lot of it is... And I think well-meaning from companies because you yes. hear companies or even boards like yeah. we, we, this is a big issue. And, and that's a start. It's great that they're talking about yep. this, but it, it breaks down, in my view, I think, when it kind of trickles down it, the ranks. You know, it's it, like, it does. And it's not intentional, but yeah. I think you have to be conscious that this is a problem and you have to be conscious enough and figure out what are the deliberate actions you need to take to make sure that it is going all the way down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And look, I spend a lot of time out in the field, right? And I, I, am, I am in observation mode when I'm out in the field. And I talk to everyone in my organization. I'm just asking very basic questions because that they're going to tell me what I need to know, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So those seeds that I plant through, as I took this journey with Verizon for 20 years, that is what has helped me, right? Because those seeds are the folks that are closer to the ground. They always are going to tell you what's really going on. Yeah, right, and that's right. how you can fix it, right? And I think that that's been probably part of my success yeah. um, is I stay connected at all levels. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk about the school system because yeah. Verizon is very active in yes. STEM um, and and donating um, millions and millions of dollars. Yes. Um, 400 million. 400 million. <laughs> that's a big number. Um, what exactly is happening at the, I don't know if these STEM programs are they at the elementary school level or at the high school level or at the college level. Where where is your entry point into all of this? Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's mostly middle school. Middle school, yeah. Okay. Um, so we really target communities that don't really have access to technology, mm-hmm. right? So they don't have Wi-Fi, they don't have tablets. Then these are you know middle school schools. I mean, when you look. When you look across the country, um, you know, you would think that's unheard of. They don't have access to Wi-Fi. They don't have access to tablets. They don't have access to basic technology. We know that they won't have a shot because at the pace that technology is moving, I believe the stat is by 2020, every 90 percent of the jobs will require some type of technology skill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is around the corner. Right. Mm -hmm. So if in middle school, they're not grasping technology, how will they even make it? So Verizon really, really, um, we see that as something that we can help and influence, being that we are a technology company. So we invested $400 million. We give these schools free Wi-Fi. We also have programs where we can teach and help them, like, get up to speed with next-gen technology. And by the way, it is not successful if we don't bring the teachers along. Oh, yeah. So we uh, also have a developmental program for teachers that also help so that they can, you know, figure out how to better teach Um, because it's a new environment. Yeah. You know, you have to teach. Your teaching skills have to change 
because technology is changing. So we're watching the student and the teacher take this digital journey, and it's really refreshing to see. It do you, really is. Do you have any, I mean, have you tracked a student? I mean, just throwing this out yeah. there as an example. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how long Verizon has been doing this. Um, let's For see. a few years. A few years. Yeah. Have you tracked any of the students to see where yes. they have gone and how, how so, they've succeeded? So one of the things that we, um, we, we are tracking is... What is the level of engagement in the, of the student mm -hmm. now? Because again, when, when you're afraid of technology um, and now you put technology right in front of their, their face, um, their level of engagement of interest for math and science increased by 45%. Yeah, well, let me, let me stop you there because yeah. I have a, a real hard time actually yep. wrapping my head around a kid afraid of technology mm -hmm. given that like my son, I'm constantly trying to grab screens away from him. They have an intuition on how to how these Correct. things work. So what you're talking about is not just giving them a, a, a tablet, but how right. they could learn robotics. math problems. Robotics. Teaching them okay. robotics yeah. or how to code. Like we take it to the next level Got so it. that, yes, they know how to take a phone and figure yeah. out right, how to work right, that. Right. right, but really expanding that knowledge to say, you know, hey, you're interested in video games. Well, guess what? There's a software engineer somewhere in this country that, develop Fortnite, right? Yeah. You make that connection with them and they're like, oh, maybe I want to be a software engineer. Yeah. But then you, you take them down that journey and they start to learn how to code or robotics or any of the new technology, you know, artificial intelligence, all of that stuff. Right? Okay. So you, going back to the track, so you, I'm assuming you've attracted a few students and, and what, what have you seen? What's your observation? I've, I, so I've, the, the way, the one thing that we're measuring is Number one, their, their level of engagement in the classroom, yeah. before and after, right? Definitely up. Their attitude towards learning and towards like just math and science in general, mm -hmm. up, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then the teacher's comfort level um, and their ability to feel comfortable teaching this technology and this, the, the, the change in technology and keeping pace and they've taken the journey together, um, all of those things we are tracking to make sure we are getting the outcome that we were looking for, yeah. which is, um, you know, if, if they didn't have access to it before and they have access now, are they now more engaged? And the teachers are seeing it. The teachers are like, these students are way more engaged and they're asking better questions mm. because why? They're now learning newer things. And so that's a win for us. I mean, do we need to track other things? Maybe. We're not sure yet, but I think when you think about middle, their, their attention span is so short. Yeah. And right. when you can grab their attention and keep it, I think that's a big win. Yeah. So um, your background, too, maybe you can explain a little bit about your, your school, your elementary school, or, or your middle school experience. Um, I don't know if you Oh, my God. I wish I had this. Oh, my boy. I would be like an astronaut or something. I don't know. Yes. So when I was in, in middle, like, I, I always knew that I liked math and science. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has to do with my parents because they saw that very young, right? So when I was in elementary, middle school, and then when I got into high school, I was in advanced math courses. And my father would push me and push me mm. and push me. And so because of that cheerleader on the side, I always felt I was smarter than my I have four brothers. I always felt smarter because he made me feel that way, right? <laughs> I always smelled smarter than my brothers. And he would tell me, you're smarter than them, yeah. right? So when you, when you hear that yeah. from a young age, 
going all the way through college. So when I got to college and I, I was the only female in a lot of my engineering courses. Yeah. But it didn't bother me because my dad always told me that I was smarter than my brothers. And so these are just brothers in class. Yeah. You know, so I never I never like took my foot off the gas pedal. You didn't I feel self conscious or anything. No, like I kept that. going. Yeah, that's great. But that's my story. Yeah. Not everyone's story is that way. And that's why I love what Verizon is doing because all middle school especially girls, yeah. need that cheerleader, right? Yeah. So we're trying to be that cheerleader for them so that they get that self-confidence early. I think you have to do it early because if you don't, you might lose them, right? So get it early. And as they take this journey, you know, by the time they get to college or, you know, into the working world, that confidence level is there and, and we can get more in the pipeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, so, you know, over your 20 years at Verizon, what have you noticed? What what has changed culturally? Because I'm sure not everybody was open minded throughout your two decades there. Yeah, no, not <laughs> not open minded. <laughs> yeah. um, I absolutely, you know, have witnessed firsthand, you know, this transformation that's happening at Verizon. And quite frankly, I think it starts at the top, right? Yeah. And so when you look at our board, seven of the twelve are diverse. Yeah. Um, when you start to look at the C-suite, right, a very diverse team. Um, and when you start to even go a layer down, right, you're starting to see more women mm -hmm. in, the, in that eye being an example in that, in that chair. And so that, by default, will change the culture, right, because you have diverse board, you have diverse C-suite, and you have more women in senior VP-type jobs. Um, and so the culture change comes where I think you have diversity of thought, of right. leadership at right. the top and ensuring that they're all putting their thumbprint. Like we're all bringing some level of diversity mm -hmm. background to the table. And so it is so refreshing to see and it, it feels different than 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and yes, I was at a different level, but I will tell you that even you know, at the leadership level, it even looks different, yeah, right? You know, yeah. it was mostly all male, right? That's that's how it looked in the past. But I will tell you, it's different. It feels different. And there are a lot of programs where we support women. There are a lot of programs where we support African-American, Asian, Indian, like all of lesbian, like the, that, that whole um, community of differences of people, you know, we support it. And I think that really drives culture change. Are we done? No, we still have a lot of work to do because yeah. again, you're, we have 140,000 people at Verizon. Yeah. Not huge. everyone is yeah. on board. Right? No, 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 <laughs> right? Not everyone's on board. Yeah. But, but what, what you're saying also, it sets up the pipeline, right? Which is a huge problem right. where it's like layers to look for the next CEO. Well, you're, there are people in training and in waiting who are diverse who can, who can have those, qualities and, and be considered in the same thing for board directors, et cetera. Our CEO, who's been the CEO for what, about a year now? Well, actually not even a yeah, year, yeah. six months. He's from Sweden. Yeah. That's diversity. That's yeah. diversity, right? Yeah, because yeah. it's it's an, it's a guy that's coming from international over into, and he doesn't have all the same hangups. Yeah. So he, he, is refreshing because he's he thinks and believes diversity and inclusion is extremely important. And he set the tone of that when he, he did the webcast just the other day and he talked about mm -hmm. diversity and inclusion first. 
Oh, interesting. Yes. Oh, that's great. So yes, absolutely. He's putting it. He's putting Put it, at it the top of yes, the agenda. Perspective yeah. and. And that allows the leadership team to really carry that message on all the way to every level of the organization. So are we done? No, but I think we have momentum to really change the culture. Well, that's great. Well, Gina, thank you so much for coming well, on the program. thank you for having me. All right. Thanks for listening to The Exchange. This podcast was produced by Andrew D'Antonio and Freddie Joyner. Be sure to check us out at breakingviews.com and subscribe to our various audio products, including The Views Room on iTunes or anywhere else you go to get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.